Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Leela. And, and we, we are, are Both and. and. A podcast dedicated to giving a voice to the multiracial experience in America by discussing relevant topics in a safe space. Happy Multiracial Monday, everyone. Happy Monday. Thanks so much for being here. We have an extra special episode as we have our friend Anna here with us today. We asked Anna to come on the podcast because Anna is actually a lot more official when it comes to multiracial studies than we are. I took one class and Anna minored in ethnic studies in her undergrad degree, but she has a butt ton of other degrees. I've just been in school for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Currently, I am in my third year, which is the last year of law school. Yes. Yes. (laughs) It's pretty surreal. Yeah. Oh, what type? Is this a taboo question? Do you know what type of law you're going to do? It's okay. It's okay. Um, Sorry. Generally, I know human rights law. I'm really interested in policy. Mm -hmm. Currently, I work part-time in an immigration firm, which I love. And I'd love to do stuff with juvenile justice. I've interned a little bit with that kind of stuff. So kind of the intersection of some of those things, which all I feel like kind of fall under the umbrella of human rights law. Yeah. Nice. That's amazing. Yeah. And then what made you decide to study, to minor in ethnic studies Mm. in undergrad? Oh, it is. I just think it's one of the most fascinating topics. Um, Mm -hmm. When I was, I remember when I was younger, um, I was homeschooled for a couple years in between some stuff. And I would just when it it came to like books or history books about the civil rights movement, I would just read them for like four hours. And then my mom would be like, Hey, you have to do math. (laughs) 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 But I've just always found it really interesting. Mm. Um, I don't know if, if like subconsciously part of that is because when I was little, people would look at my parents and look at me and be like, what are you? (laughs) Um, But I've always just found it really interesting. And Mm -hmm. actually I was really blessed when I went to my undergrad at Zusa Pacific, they had, Mm. Um, something called multi-ethnic leadership scholar and so it was a group that um you had applied to and get accepted to and then we were a cohort group for each uh academic year Mm -hmm. that um would come together and meet once a month and they would have us listen to lectures by um racial reconciliators that's a cool title and um, (laughs) (laughs) racial reconciliation speakers and stuff like that and Mm -hmm. as part of that we had to take one ethnic studies class in college okay and so i was fulfilling that requirement and found out you could get like part of a degree in ethnic studies what all these classes are the best classes why wouldn't people (laughs) do this degree so yeah i seriously still like some of the best decisions I feel like I made in undergrad was Mm -hmm. just amazing topics and getting to hear from so many different people um, who just had so much authority on the subject. I remember one of my professors, um, Daniel White Hodge, he's actually a professor somewhere else in the United States now and still like very active on Twitter and stuff, but he was half black, half Mexican, I believe, married to a white woman. And so just, I mean, like this trifecta of multiracialness yeah. and then it was and then it was teaching on that so it just wow. felt like I was learning from people who just had these really rich backgrounds with which to share from yeah that's amazing so yeah I just wanted to keep learning about it that makes me want to go back to school yeah. <laughs> like, get a degree or a minor just learn more about that yeah like as you were going through it as you were learning did you change your viewpoints about like how you might have identified as yourself like as an individual or like did you could you see the progression of like okay this is what I thought then but now I think this yeah I wouldn't say like a fully like contrasted difference in beliefs and understandings of myself Mm -hmm. but definitely a process of trying to understand 
what I was and how I identified because I grew up in Hawaii where people with my skin tone are the minority. <laughs> so I honestly, it, it sounds really naive now to say this, but when I got to undergrad in California and, and my first semester I had an ethnic studies class, um, it was intercultural communications and they were talking nice. about minorities and I, I just had this like mental switch where I was like, oh, their, <laughs> their term of minority is different than what I grew up oh, with. Oh, wow, be- yeah. Just because Hawaii is, I don't, it might be the only state where majority is people of color. Hmm. Um, wow. Yeah, so very different. Time to go to Hawaii. Um, <laughs> yes, please. And <laughs> I can't see on the podcast if you don't know me, but I'm pretty pale skin. <laughs> um, my parents aren't as much. A lot of my family members aren't as much. But I have really curly hair. And so when I was little, people sometimes would think I was mixed or they would look at my parents who don't have curly hair and think I was adopted or like, Mm. so people just didn't really know what I was. And um, in Hawaii, it's not really a good thing to be white. (laughs) And and people would be like, would call me Howley, which is kind of not the best term for white people. It's kind of Mm. like saying like, oh, whatever, like, hey, Whitey, what's up? You know? And and then I would say, no, I'm Greek. And people would be like, oh, okay. Because then I was Hmm. like accepted as kind of like um, Mm. um, a little bit of like an ethnic minority when I said that. Hmm. And so I think in high school, I learned not only because of that, I mean, also because I'm Greek, so I'm going to represent that. But Mm -hmm. yeah, totally. um, but to really strongly represent that because then I wouldn't get made fun of for being white. Oh, yeah. Um, and when I went to college, uh, I feel like Greeks and um, Italians, sometimes French people, sometimes Middle Easterners fill in, in the United States kind of fill into this like medium area where mm-hmm. it's like, are you a person of color? Are you not? Yeah. Are you white? Yeah. All depends on what sociologist you talk to. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think that's the part that... I kind of the process I walked through in undergrad is wanting to cling tightly to that as being identity of someone of color, but realizing that it's not the same mm. as someone who is African-American or someone who's Hispanic. And then traveling to Europe and like, af- like to Greece and like asking my relatives, like, how do you identify us as like, what are we? And realizing that the rest of the world doesn't really delineate people in the same way that the United States does. Oh, and, dang. Yeah. Um, you know, people in Europe being like, what do you mean what race are we like we're greek or like mm-hmm. you know other countries in europe being like uh like what what do you mean are you white or not like it's not it's not a question wow so oh my gosh that's the process that i feel like i've walked through and still i mean i feel like this is a cool subject because you're always learning different things about it different yeah. feelings people have mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so that's interesting if I know in the U.S. it is really unique for people to identify based on race mm-hmm. because, like, you know, we're the great American melting pot or however you want to phrase it or a salad bowl or whatever. And so because we are one country, we are all American, but then you have Black American, Asian American, African American, Hispanic American. How did you find people just identified? It's just, like, the country they lived in, the country they were born in, in Europe? Most of the time, well... I can mostly speak to, like, my relatives. Okay. Um, and that would just be, uh, you know, because we have this great part of our nation in the United States, which is people come from so many different backgrounds. Yeah. Um, and a lot of other nations don't really have that. So mm. um, in Greece, I, I studied there for a summer during college and got oh. to be with all, a lot of my relatives. Mm-hmm. Um and I loved it. I was like, whoa, everyone loves me. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then partway through it, I was like, 
whoa, we all look the same here. We're like other people because mm-hmm. there's not a lot of um, of other ethnicities there. So it wasn't really a question of like whether this was an ethnicity or a race. It was just kind of like, or or a national identity. It was kind of just like, well, we're Greek. Like that's who we are. So it was like local community pride kind of built that sense of self. I guess. Well, I think it would. it's more like, your ethnic pride and your national pride are kind of synonymous because they're kind of the same thing. Mm. Um, Now I think maybe even in the last few years since I've been there, that might be changing a little bit in different parts of Europe because of the amount of Syrian refugees that have come. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know that's, that's impacting the populations of a lot of European countries. Um, But for the most part, most of these countries have for generations been the same ethnic groupings. Wow. Yeah, that's a good point of just how so much our culture is shaped by history mm-hmm. and like migration patterns mm-hmm. and like community building. I think it and I've I, I've traveled just a little bit, went to Germany for a couple of months and I noticed so here in America we'll say as Beth said you're African American, Asian American, Afro-Caribbean American. We put the like the racial identi- identifier first. But then when I went to Germany, I had a friend and he was Korean, born born and raised in Germany, but he would say, I'm a German Korean. Oh. And then it was like, I'm a German and then hyphen, whatever the next thing is. So they put nation first, then ethnic identifier yeah. next. But then I've heard in France, it's you're French, that's it. Yeah. Like you assimilate <laughs> or you don't. Yeah. So it's I could see where... Of course, as an American, I'm like, our way is the best way <laughs> because that's what I grew up with. But like, would what would you say are the pros and cons in that, in the way we do it or in the way that your relatives do it? Like, can you see those differences and like, do you favor one over the other? That's interesting. I hadn't heard about Germany saying like that before. And mm. I think that's really interesting. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know if I would say one way is better than the other because I mean, you're both and, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say one is better than the other. I think it's how you choose to identify mm-hmm. and what, um, yeah, that's really cool actually to know about Germany. I, I just realized that when I was like thinking about all these different countries and I was thinking about France too and like because of the refugees mm-hmm. and you hear these conversations, um, read these articles about people uh, who believe they're losing their culture because other cultures are coming in and just how some countries are like you need to assimilate Mm -hmm. or it's like we'll kind of accept it and then it's it's just so different the way each country does it are the people who are coming in are they like feeling good about it this might be a completely separate topic um um, like are it does assimilation work does putting your ethnicity first and then um hyphen your country is that better for your like mental wellness or do you need the country to identify you first to be like no I am a German like or I am Mm -hmm. French and there's nothing else like that's me or it's we're Greek and that's it like you know I just I wonder I don't know that's interesting I think it I mean even if we're talking about Europe there's so many different countries there Mm -hmm. and and when the just the three countries that we've mentioned France and Germany and Greece I'm thinking about the different immigration laws in each of them and they're oh, yeah. they're pretty different so that kind of makes sense in how um even the differences in identification that mm. we've heard of like greece it's pretty hard to get citizenship or to immigrate mm. if you're not ethnically greek hmm. um, really? i know i know it is possible but it takes much longer than i would think somewhere like france where mm-hmm. they've been very uh open to yeah you know 
growing their country that way. And and I think a lot of European countries are having to be more open about that because their birth rates are so low. <laughs> wow, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that it would make sense for some of those countries to say, hey, you're here, you're French. Like, mm-hmm. um, you and your babies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also think it's, to just throw a wrench into the question. So there's a difference between holding true to your cultural background, acculturating and assimilating. There it is. That's a word I'd acculturating. So acculturating is the midpoint. Can you explain the difference between acculturation and assimilation? Ooh. Okay. In layman's terms and, and like, uh, it's been a while since undergrad. So I talk about this stuff a lot, but I don't necessarily, uh, we don't need a know, textbook definition. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> In my view, acculturating is still holding on to your culture, celebrating your culture in the midst of other cultures, mm-hmm. in the midst of the country that you're in. To me, I would think a lot of people who, instead of just saying, I'm American, who still identify as, I'm Greek American, I'm Mexican American, I'm Japanese American, um, versus assimilating a lot of what happened to some of our parents' generation or my parents' generation, yeah. where my mom was the first born in the U.S., her first mm-hmm. language was not English, but when she went to school, it was like, Everyone makes fun of you for not speaking yeah. English. Mm. Everyone makes fun of you for your features, and yeah. you want to do everything you can. Or a lot of people in that generation did everything they could to lose their accent, sometimes lose their language, straighten their oh, hair, man. all of that stuff. And I'm sure some people would say assimilation doesn't have as negative a con, uh, you know, a connotation as what I made it just sound. But for mm-hmm. some people, that it is. It kind of just feels like sometimes assimilation is kind of the loss of your. Mm. ethnic or cultural heritage identity yeah would you agree with that yeah description? so assimilation is like completely conforming to another culture mm-hmm. um and just becoming american mm-hmm. and then acculturating is like you said like celebrating your culture in the midst of other cultures mm-hmm. so like being asian american and so i just wonder um because like you said there are pros and cons right there is a loss of giving up mm-hmm. one culture to assimilate mm-hmm. to a new culture Whereas acculturation is a both-and approach, Mm -hmm. I am biased and tend to favor the both-and approach of acculturation. (laughs) Um, And that's also kind of how my family recovered from internment camps is just, like, trying to find a balance. Like, they swung hard to assimilation on the pendulum Mm -hmm. and then, like, kind of settled at acculturation. So, like, we still celebrate American holidays, Mm -hmm. but we also still maintain several other Japanese traditions. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though we lost speaking Japanese because we wanted to pass more as just being American and stop being questioned, like we still have lots of like Japanese art and Japanese Mm -hmm. food and things like that. So I wonder though how other countries do it because like I think being Japanese American is a very acculturating term, Mm -hmm. but like in France, it's like you're just French or you're whatever else you are. And that's just very assimilating. But if you're acculturating, there are lots of different ways you can do it. Like totally. in Germany, right? Mm-hmm. You are German Korean. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder what that kind of expression looks like compared to an American expression of acculturate, of acculturation. Or even Japan is the final example I have. Because <laughs> I had a Japanese friend in Germany who was born and raised in Japan, but her great-grandparents fled North Korea and landed in Japan Mm -hmm. and she is still even though she was born and raised her parents were born in Japan not considered Japanese they identify her family as Korean and I was like what wait wait wait. they identify as Korean (laughs) the the government identifies them as Korean that all goes back to Asian history though I mean the the rifts between Korea and Japan and China and Japan yeah um, that 
I mean, yeah. That's It's a lie. Yes. <laughs> My grandma was actually born and raised in China, not at the oh, wow. But um, from her stories and from stories of, of people, I have a lot of Korean friends. I kind of feel like I grew up in Koreatown. Mm-hmm. And, um, and just how someone can be our age and, and in a split second can go back like 3,000 years while they're talking to you to tell you about the history between the Koreans and the Japanese or the Chinese and the Japanese. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. So, yeah, those three countries sense, have. Makes sense to me Ooh. in regards to... To their in light of their history, I guess. Yeah. yeah, I need to watch a documentary because I have no idea. I was just like, why would they do that? That's not cool. You're a Japanese if you want to be. <laughs> <laughs> and that was my American persona coming out, uh, not knowing the history and just do what you want. Be be free. <laughs> be whatever you want to be. But yeah, yeah, I guess you can't do that. <laughs> I think an interesting aspect of all this too is third third culture kidism. Mm. Yeah, and, yeah, and. I think, uh, wait, wait, for those who do, haven't for heard, those that don't know, <laughs> third culture kids or TCKs they're commonly called, or just having a third culture is when your parents are one culture and you're raised in a different culture. And because of those two different cultures, the child kind of ends up forming this own, their own kind of third culture. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of, um, it's commonly referred to for people who've lived outside of the country mm-hmm. or been raised outside of the country. So a lot of business kids, missionary kids, sometimes military kids, but not as much, I think, because of the nature of military bases and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I grew up in South Africa when I was little, and so when we moved back cool. to the States, I was 11, and my mom gave me this huge book on third culture kids and kind of <laughs> learning what it's like to be back in the United States. Um, but I think when we have this conversation about different ethnicities and stuff, I to me, I kind of feel like sometimes... Um, there's a whole grouping of people that have are kind of have this third culture in that um, I don't know if you guys have had this experience at all, but my family, my mom's side of the family being Greek or Greek American, and then you grow up with this identity in the United States of we're Greek, we're Greek, we're Greek, and then you go to Greece and you're like, I I love who you guys are and what you are, but I'm I don't think my culture is the same exactly as your culture, mm, mm-hmm. but also my culture is not just American, yeah, um, whatever fully happy yeah <laughs> break that down another conversation um, yeah and you kind of have this formation of oh well i guess i have this different this kind of different subculture mm-hmm. from from the mixture of of having such a strong identity in one in one culture but being raised in the midst of another culture and kind of that third culture that that forms so do you think the argument could be made that multiracial people are developing their own third culture being raised by a parent from one culture and a parent from a different culture and then being a mix of both and like in that blended household i would think so i feel like you guys have more authority to speak on that since you are that more you you both have two sides that have formed you um like that is that what would you say i don't know the thought just came to me and i was wondering because like you were talking about your experience in south africa and then coming back to the States or like comparing how you were raised in your Greek American identity and then traveling to Greece and how that was different. I was like, that sounds a lot like my Japanese American family. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I say all the time, people will like ask me certain qualifying questions to see if they really consider me Japanese or not. And I find that my Japanese pride doesn't come from the nation of Japan Mm -hmm. because like oftentimes 
immigrants, like when they leave their country of origin and they go to a new country, the culture that they are taking with them gets frozen in time. And so you see that a lot. (laughs) You see that a lot in Crazy Rich Asians, right? Like spoiler alert for those who don't (laughs) haven't seen it yet. What are you doing? Um, So like Constance Wu's character is like getting ready to meet her boyfriend's family um, who are Chinese. And, but they live in Singapore. And so her mom immigrated from China, emigrated from China into the U.S. and was like, oh, like you need to get a red dress because mm-hmm. like that's tradition. But it's not. That's old tradition. That's old school tradition. That's not modern culture. And so like I feel like my family, like when they, they left Japan, like I'm fifth generation. And so like my ties to Japanese culture are very old, but they're also like co-mingled with like white culture and American culture and so it's just like its own little thing and so my ties to being Japanese are just with my family and like what that means to me see and I would say so to answer the your question I've I like as I was thinking through it I was like I don't think so for me I don't think I'm a third culture kid because my mom who is white and my dad who is black we're like a couple generations American and I can look at our traditions and point it back to like, okay, this is mom. This is dad. This is, uh, the African American or country. Sometimes even the country culture of the country of North Carolina, um, (laughs) that's there. Nothing that, cause I am like Scottish, British, German, um, what else did my 23 and me say? Like all these (laughs) things that I've kind of, I think because they've mixed so much that I don't even feel attached to those cultures except to be like oh yeah scotland (laughs) you know except to rally in that way but i don't have any that i know of living relatives in those countries right now um i've never been to the majority of those countries so it there's nothing where everything in my life growing up in the culture that i grew up in or created is all to me feels american multiracial people man i think that speaks to the experiences of of being multiracial or multi-ethnic right is it it's not uh, an automatic, oh, you were raised like this. It kind mm-hmm. of depends on your family, your family's choices, yeah. what traditions your family's chosen to carry on. I love that you brought up that Crazy Rich Asians reference because literally the same thing happened to me when I went to Greece. <gasps> no oh way! My gosh, 100%. Tell us. My mom, my, yeah, I was going to Greece in the summer with so many beaches, right? My mom was like, we have to get you a one-piece bathing suit. It, she got me, like, we got a black one-piece bathing suit. Greeks are super into black, which has not changed um, <laughs> whatever <laughs> everyone looks good in black i firmly believe that, that is true. but she also was like you need to have a very modest dress if you go to any um any you know event you got this like one piece bathing suit really modest dress and i got to greece was going to all these beaches with my cousins i was the only person on the entire beach with a one oh, no. <laughs> my mom was thinking of greece from her childhood yeah, yeah. which um was different than <laughs> which and i totally get that because i i think Sometimes um, multi-ethnic families in the United States can have traditions that are much older than mm-hmm. some of those traditions um, in kind of in the ethnic home country mm-hmm. have kind of changed over time. And I think we have whatever time frame that your family immigrated from, you have traditions from that time frame from the the motherland, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. You know? Mm. But is so there's value then in that th- third culture. First off, wait, sorry, going back a little bit. Props to your mom for giving you that book. Like, she oh, yeah. sounds yeah. like she's a woke individual and she was ready. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, my daughter needs to know. But that third culture creating is like a coping. It feels like it's a mm-hmm. coping mechanism to fit mm-hmm. in or to feel like you fit in. 
Um, so that when you are just going out in the world, you know, like you're solid in your foundation of what you have and what you, even if you don't, cause was that rocky to go back, like to go to Greece and then be like, oh, this is not <laughs> what we do. Did that like rock any part of your identity or were you like, oh man, like this isn't, this isn't what I thought it was. Like, who am I? Did any of that happen or were um, you already secure? <laughs> I w- I wouldn't feel like it was rocky. Some of it to me was a little funny. Mm-hmm. Like realizing like, oh yeah, you're kind of frozen in time from when your family immigrates and that, yeah. that realization. Um, I think it's, it's really interesting. I don't know if, you know, I'm sure other ethnicities maybe deal with this in other ways, but in Greece, like being of Greek blood and heritage is a really big deal, mm-hmm. but I'm not hundred percent. And so, um, and my, <laughs> my speaking skills, my accent's pretty good. So mm-hmm. people will think that I'm fluent and then I'm, I have to stop the conversation and be like, I'm sorry. And my relatives were super encouraging and Aww. fun about it and mm-hmm. um, would just laugh at me as they were trying to teach me um, <laughs> Greek. But people on the, on the bus who could visibly see, like I look pretty Greek, but then I remember this lady on the bus who was speaking to me in Greek and then I had to tell her, like, I'm sorry, I, I don't understand more. And she was like, why didn't your parents teach you more mm. Greek? Like, what's wrong with your parents? And I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm from the United States. And she's like, well, my son went to the United States and he still speaks Greek. Oh. So I think that my family has been is super cool about um, our American, Greek-American side of the family has been in, in, the, U- in the U.S. since... Um, right after World War II. So mm-hmm. a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're really cool about, like, this is our... American cousin, you know, um, but I think some other people in Greece that I'm not related to, like that random lady on the bus, just think was she like, an you're old not lady? Greek, you're not Greek enough. Um, she wasn't, she was like maybe like upper middle age, maybe young sixties okay. or something like that. Um, gotcha. so I, I think that difference comes. Yeah. I, my mom's raised me with a pretty strong identity in that so I don't feel like my identity wavered in like am I less Greek or not? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think also because I've grown up knowing like I'm not hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, so I don't know. I feel like my family is really good about that, so it hasn't really caused me to to lessen feel feel lessened in that identity. Mm-hmm. Um, I did study with a bunch of Greek American kids, and a lot of them were fully fluent in Greek. Like, wow. we're raised, a big thing in, in Greek culture is being raised Greek Orthodox or not. Mm-hmm. My right. family is not. Um, my grandparents and stuff, I, I guess, are Greek Orthodox. <laughs> 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 like, maybe go twice a year to church. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of people will judge you for, like, not being Greek Orthodox. Like, oh, that's not a Greek party. A lot of people in the United States, I should say, because in Greece, unfortunately, a lot of people don't go to church anymore. So mm-hmm. to them, that's not a big deal. Yeah. Um, but in the United States, for the, the Greek American community, like, Greek orthodox churches are kind of like a community center so if you're not greek orthodox you're not part of the mm-hmm. community like that i think that's a pro to american acculturation is like defining racial identity based on cultural traditions and not just on like blood percentage mm-hmm. and like um physical features yeah or like what you look but like what you practice because like i've thought about that with my kids right yeah. like you know i'm half japanese half white and my kids are gonna be a quarter japanese a quarter white and half black mm-hmm. um and being like yeah like i'm gonna experience what my mom experienced my kids aren't going to immediately look like me yeah. but that doesn't mean like they're not gonna be japanese or they're not gonna mm-hmm. be white yeah. and like they may identify differently mm-hmm. but like i think in the same way that i 
relate to Japanese culture based on like my family like as long as they have strong family ties like I don't care what label they use as long as they like come home for like celebrations or like (laughs) still like to eat Asian food I mean oh my gosh my husband loves Asian food so I feel like that's fine that's safe (laughs) (laughs) no totally I think that's something that I really value about being from Hawaii Mm -hmm. because I would say the average person in Hawaii is probably five to eight ethnicities um, wow. but, um, I think the difference between Hawaii and a lot of other places is that most people who are like eight ethnicities know every single ethnicity as they are and value like each one of them. So it's not like, which I can definitely say I'm not the best at because mm-hmm. I, when people ask like, Oh, what are you? I'm like, Oh, I'm Greek American. My dad is barely Greek. Like, so it doesn't, mm-hmm. so like I shouldn't just ignore his whole like Dutch English side, but sometimes <laughs> I, I kind of do when I speak to people. Yeah. Um, Unless they, like, want the whole story about me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in if you ask someone in Hawaii that, they'll say, oh, I'm a quarter Hawaiian, I'm an eighth Portuguese, I'm an eighth Korean, I'm um, I'm a quarter Scottish. Like, And they'll go through everything and they know everything, and which is really cool because mm-hmm. they've kind of held on to the value of being proud of each of those components of who oh my they gosh. are. My heart is warm. <laughs> or the center of my chest. I don't know where my heart is. But that is so... <laughs> It's <laughs> so lovely, and I just want to go so bad now just to talk to the people. What is what do you when you think about like the future of America? Of I feel like we're in a weird time right now where a lot of people from different backgrounds are moving into new spaces. Mm-hmm. What do you what do you just see like when you think about the future of the world? <laughs> That's a big question. I'm sorry. Well, the future of like the multiracial stop yeah. part yeah, of the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, at this point, I can't. Remember 2020 or 2050 you guys 2020 fact check me on this but i know people say by is it 2020 or 2050 that 50 percent of the united states will be multi-ethnic it's 2020 because i when i found that out i wrote it down i think i actually wrote it on my hands for two days and i was like 2020 2020 (laughs) it was they projected that after the 2010 census so they're thinking after the 2020 census they're gonna see an increase in those numbers okay but that's because the I believe the 2010 census was the first time multiracial was an option. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so now the next time the census comes around, they're like, oh, more people will identify it will increase. Like, yeah. Blah. Yeah. I kind of see that as being very hopeful in the United States. And I know there's definitely some people who are, you know, sociologists who would say, hey, maybe it's not the best thing for cultures that people are marrying different ethnicities and kind of ha- forming that third culture in their own you know, mm-hmm. family is there. But I think, ultimately, I really believe that people will overcome some of the difficulties and tensions we've had between races and ethnicities through Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, but looking at it from a, I guess, more humanist point of view, mm-hmm. I think the more people that intermarry mm-hmm. um, between races and ethnicities, the more you're listening to one another, that, that I'm encouraged by those statistics. That's a hard I'm encouraged by those statistics in the United States because, and maybe this is my naive Hawaii upbringing and the fact that we're so multiracial and have had a lot fewer incidences of, of massive racial tension than Mm -hmm. other places in the United States. And me hoping that, that because people are so multiracial, when people on the mainland become so multiracial, that it will kind of emulate that same kind of harmonious and nature yeah um but that's that's my pov (laughs) i don't think that's naive i think 
it's doable. You're right. There's less history for Hawaii to overcome. Yeah. Um, I mean, there were several significant events that happened that could have spurred it, but it's not the same like yeah. as like the mainland. But I think just like you were saying earlier, the fact that people value all their different racial identities mm-hmm. and like their ethnicities or that they're able to celebrate that. I think that's something that can translate to the mm-hmm. mainland. Yeah. Yeah. I think celebration is key mm-hmm. because if you marry into different ethnicity and are like, forget mine, yours is way cooler or something, you yeah. know, that, that's, that's harmful to, yeah. to your children or people around you and seeing that you value something more than another but I think it's really special when when two different cultures or or multi-different cultures can come together and celebrate each one's and kind of the traditions of each one's and, mm-hmm. and I think that's really beautiful so that's my encouraging uh thoughts for the future of the United States yeah, yeah. I love it well that's a very encouraging note and we're gonna end on that because I think that is the best thank you so much for being here with us today this was great. Like, I learned a lot. And yeah. I enjoy too. your point of view. Mm-hmm. It is valued here. So, listeners. Our question of the week is, we want to know what ways you celebrate your multiracial identities, whether that's through different acculturation experiences or whatnot. We'd love to hear from you. So hit us up on Twitter, on Facebook, or email. Until next time.